For God's sake, let us sit upon the ground and tell sad stories of the deaths of kings, how some have been deposed, some slain in war. I me, I see the ruin of my house. The tiger now hath seized the gentle hind. Insulting tyranny begins to jut upon the innocent and aweless throne. What is a man? Sure he made us with such large discourse, looking before and after, gave us not that capability and godlike reason to fust in us unused. O oh, my dear father, restoration hang thy medicine on my lips, and let this kiss repair those violent harms that my two sisters have in thy reverence made. I am a king that find thee, and I know, tis not the balm, the scepter and the ball, the sword, the mace, the crown imperial, the throne he sits on, nor the pomp that beats on the high shore of the world. This is the mighty history of the British Empire, a people living on a tiny island in the North Atlantic Ocean, built an empire that circled the earth and brought freedom and education to languishing millions. This empire was blessed by Almighty God and one of his best educated teachers, William Shakespeare. Shakespeare has educated some of the greatest leaders of all time, such as Abraham Lincoln and Winston Churchill. We shall never surrender. Our troubled world needs a fresh crew of nation-building leaders. Are you ready to step up to the challenge? Welcome to the exciting classroom of Shakespeare's royal education with host Dennis Leap. Well, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to Shakespeare's Royal Education. Well, I have no comments today, and in some ways I'm going to blame myself for that because uh, I've been working hard to to push JBL ahead a little bit, and uh, now I want to try and start working on pushing uh, Shakespeare's Royal Education ahead, too. I know that uh, some people are wondering, did I die? Did I go away somewhere? What happened? But it's just been really busy uh, after, you know, the feast. And then also now the fall is really hitting on us with uh, school and midterms and things. So, so uh, but I'm really, uh, I want to just promise everybody that I want to start getting forward. And uh, it is my desire to try and uh, get through all of King Lear today. But when I was getting ready yesterday and this morning, and I thought, eh, this may not happen. <laughs> so, so, uh, but I, I have been really studying Act Five of King Lear, and it is really, really a dynamite might, uh, part of this play, and it really has a lot to say about today and what's going on in the world today. So I've, I've titled this program, The Weight of This Sad Time, Part One. And so, so you're going to see how this all fits in together. Now, on our last program, I ended the podcast, podcast from, it's, it, there is a cast in, in the play, but it is a podcast. And I read from Act Four, Scene Seven. And uh, it, it's it's part of a, a nice touching scene. It's 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 got a mixture to it. Uh, we did pages one twenty one. We we were uh, did lines fifty five through eighty six. Now for today's program, I would like to refresh your memory on this scene. 
And the reason is it really is going to lead. It's a better introduction to, to Act 5. And, and we want to work we'll it through it pretty quickly. So, so I want to refresh your memory on this scene. Remember, it's a positive scene where Lear and Cordelia are joined together in a bond of true familial love. Once this love scene is complete, though, I'll show you that there is grave danger in store for both of them. So to begin today, let's turn to the bottom of page 120, and we're going to go to line 53 to uh, uh, just start there. And um, essentially, if we need to, I'll, we'll skip ahead over it. And, and I, I do want to get as much in today as possible. And I do want to finish Act 5 because I want to start King John very soon. And that's going to really lead us into to more of the more current kings that we're familiar with. So uh, again, page 120, let's go down to the very bottom of the page. And uh, this is Lear. He's finally waking up. And he's not all quite awake, and uh, I think all of us have experienced that. I've said that to my wife. Well, what day is it? <laughs> what day is today? And he says, where have I been? Where am I? Fair daylight. I am mightily abused. I should even die with pity to see another thus. And he's saying, look, can I just die instead of seeing another day? I know not what to say. I will not swear these are my hands. Let's see. I feel this pinprick. Would I were assured of my condition. And so so he's really not really sure where he is, what he's doing. He's not sure of his condition. And Cordelia pops up and she says, Oh, look upon me, sir, and hold your hand in benediction over me. You must not kneel. And so, so when you're reading a play and you're not seeing it acted out, you have to use your imagination. And so essentially, uh, is he's kneeling down in front of Cordelia because he knows he was such a jerk <laughs> and he banished her and he's upset about all that. And, and Cordelia is really, she's a very loving daughter. She says, Oh, look upon me, sir, and hold your hand in benediction over me. You must not kneel. Don't kneel to me. And so it just shows how much she really does love her father. And then Lear says, Pray do not mock me. I am very foolish and a fond old man, fourscore and upward, not an hour more nor less, and do deal and to deal plainly. I fear I am not in my perfect mind. So so Lear realizes, you know, he's he's not well, he's not well mentally. He says, Methinks I should know you and know this man, yet I am doubtful, for I am mainly ignorant what place this is, and all the skill I have remembers not these garments, nor I know not where I did lodge last night. Do not laugh at me, for as I am a man, I think this lady to be my child, Cordelia. And so, so here he's gotten rid of his weeds, he was all dressed in weeds. He had a crown of weeds. And uh, the doctor finally gets him in, in a hospital situation. And he falls asleep, and they actually dress him in clean clothes. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, kind of a, a nice thing that they did to him. And then he, he finally says, hey, well, this is Cordelia. And Cordelia says, I, and so I am, I am. And he says, be your tears wet? Yes, Yes, faith, I pray, weep not. If you have position for me, I no, it says, if you have poison for me, I will drink it. 
I know you do not love me, for your sisters have, as I do remember, done me wrong. You have some cause, they have not. And so he's just saying, look, you have a cause not to love me. Uh, I already know your sisters don't love me. And then she says, look, come on, Dad, there's no cause. There's no cause for that. I still love you. And Lear says, am I in France? And then Kent, who uh, has not revealed himself yet fully as Kent, says, in your own kingdom, sir. And then Lear looks at him and says, do not abuse me. And the doctor says, be comforted, good madam. This, this, the great rage you see is killed in him, and yet it is danger to make him even over the time he has lost. Desire him to go in, trouble him no more till further settling. So, so the doctor says, okay, uh, you, you made the connection. He's coming back. Uh, he's still in a little bit of danger mentally, so let's not push him. So, so uh, Cordelia says, hey, will you please, uh, will it please your highness to walk? And then Cordelia says, why don't you walk with me? Let's, say, let's take a, a quick walk. And then Lear says, you must bear with me. Pray now, forget and forgive. I am old and foolish. And so, so again, we're reading the play. And to really understand it, you have to look at the very next phrase. It says exunt, E-X-E-U-N-T. And so, so what that means is that, that now Lear and Cordelia are off the stage set. So if you're watching a play, they, they would be gone. But who stays on the scene is Kent and one of the knights, or they call them gentlemen. And so, so essentially, you know, we're all positive. You know, Cordelia and Lear are back together. Uh, Lear is coming on the mend, but this, this very next part of the scene, it shows that there's some real trouble ahead. And it's going to be big trouble, really. And so, so here, the, uh, Kent and the gentleman are talking, and the gentleman says, Holds it true, sir, that the Duke of Cornwall was so slain. And so, so here, Kent and the gentleman, one of the knights, they're talking. And remember, these, these are one of the knights that are with Cordelia. They've been hunting for Lear. They found Lear. And he, he said, look, is it true that the Duke of Cornwall was slain? And Kent says, most certain, sir. And then the gentleman says, who is the conductor of his people? And then this is where things begin to really go sour. And, and you have to be able to read between the lines to see this. But Kent says, at this said, the bastard son of Gloucester. So, so now, who's in charge? Who's in charge of Gloucester? Who's the Duke of Gloucester? It's, it's Edmund. He's now the Duke of Gloucester. And, you know, that, that's trouble. <laughs> that's big trouble coming. And the gentleman says, they say Edgar, his banished son, is with the Earl of Kent in Germany. And now, now this is Kent. And he said, <laughs> wait a second. Now, he's still in disguise, by the way. So the gentleman doesn't know it's Kent. And so, so supposedly Kent and Edgar are now in Germany, <laughs> but Edgar and Kent are right there. And that's what's really, uh, it's kind of like Shakespeare's little playing, playing with us, you know. So, um, the Kent says, report is changeable. The time to look about the powers of the kingdom approach apace. So, so Kent is saying, and in some ways Kent's positive. He said, look, I think things are changing around here. 
And the gentleman says the arbitrament is like to be bloody. Fare you well, sir. So, so Kent is kind of looking at it positively, but the knight is saying, uh, it's going to get really bloody now. And so, so there's, there's real trouble coming. And, uh, he said, face you wear, sir. And so Kent says, my point and period will be thoroughly wrought or well, or well or ill as the day's battles fought. So that's, that's actually, uh, one of the, the famous things that Shakespeare can do really well is that rhyming couplet. And I just slayed it. Sorry about that. It says, my point in period will be thoroughly wrought or well or ill as this day's battles fought. And so, so there's that rhyming couplet. So, so that now, that's the end of act four. We can put act four away. We don't have to worry about act four anymore. And now we're actually going to go where I want to be. And we're at act five, scene one. And essentially, this is big trouble because the first person we come against is Edmund. And so, so essentially what there is here for all of you listening is the, uh, the, the, the evil sisters, the evil people, they're not getting along very well. And so there's actually, you know, they, they, they want this war to go on. They want to get Cordelia and the French out of Britain. And there's a lot of infighting already going on. So Edmund says, Know of the Duke, if his last purpose hold, or whether since he is advised by aught. And so, so essentially what, what Edmund is talking, he's, Edmund is here, Regan is here, there's a gentleman here, and there are soldiers here. So, so essentially Edmund and Regan are saying, look, is Albany going to join with us in this fight against France or not? And you see, there's there's real problems between, well, between Albany, and uh, you know his counterpart, yeah, the two the two dukes, you know. And so uh, Edmund says, "Know if the duke is, if his last purpose hold, or whether since he is advised by aught to change the course, he's full of alteration, and self-reproving, bring his constant pleasure." So now Edmund is there with Reagan. Remember now, Albany is married to Goneril. And so, so there's real infighting going on between Reagan and Goneril, the two sisters. And we have to face reality. The fight is over Edmund. <laughs> you know, uh, Goneril wants to get rid of Albany. <laughs> you know, and, and remember, Reagan got rid of her husband already. She's the one that helped knife him when they were taking the eyeballs out of Gloucester. So, so Reagan says, our sister's man is certainly miscarried. Now, what Reagan is talking about there is she's talking about Oswald. And remember now, the, the last segment we used, Oswald is dead because Edgar killed him. And so he's dead. He's off the scene. And then Edmund says, "'Tis to be doubted, madam." And that word doesn't mean... He, he's doubted that he's still alive. He might be alive. Actually, what that word means there is he's he's afraid that he is dead. That something really has happened to, to Oswald. And remember, Oswald was carrying letters back and forth to to uh, communicate what they wanted. Now, notice Regan says to to Edmund, "Now, sweet lord, you know the goodness I intend upon you. Tell me 
but truly, but then speak the truth. Do you not love my sister? So, so here there's a, there's a civil war going on. And here they're talking about getting into these battles. And what is the number one thing Regan wants to know? Basically, she wants to know, have you been sleeping with my sister? Basically, that's what it's all about. And notice Edmund. He's such a liar. Oh, I love your sister. It's, it's an honored love. I love her like a sister. You know, and so yeah, that's a bunch of, bah, you know. Anyway, Regan says, but you have never found my brother's way to the four-fended place? <laughs> uh, I'll let you think about that yourself, what that means. And she's talking about Albany. And, and he said, uh, you mean you never got in Albany's way with Goneril? And so uh, I'll let you think about that yourself. Anyway, Edmund says, that thought abuses you. <laughs> he says, oh, that really bugs you that I may have... Uh, been uh, uh, taking uh, Albany's place. And uh, she says, I am doubtful that you have been conjunct and blossom and bosomed with her as far as we call hers. So, so essentially, Regan says, come on, I think I know what's going on. And so, so Evan says, no, by mine honor, madam, and Regan says, I never shall endure her. Dear my lord, be not familiar with her. So, so you hear, here you have the two sisters that were united to get Cordelia out of the way are now disunited. They're not getting along at all. And so, so you can see, um, uh, for everybody out there that, that when, uh, you know, people get involved, uh, with each other in perverted ways, it, it's, it only leads to more trouble. And Shakespeare is really pretty good at bringing this out. And uh, Edmund says, fear me not, she and the Duke, her husband. And uh, uh, he says, look, don't fear me. You fear her and, and her husband. So then, right then, enters in the drum, colors, Albany, Goneril, and soldiers. And so, so here, the mix is coming. So Albany has decided he is going to stay with them. He's going to fight the war. And so Goneril says aside, I had rather lose the battle than that sister should loosen him and me. <laughs> and so, so she's saying, look, I'd rather lose the battle than have to fight, uh, you know, uh, around her sister and, and all of that. So, so anyway, uh, things are really breaking down in Lear's family. And it's really, really kind of tragic to to look at it and the the thing is even when we get towards the end of this they said you know the 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 weight of this sad time this is just more explanation of what the sad times all about and how much family breakdown do we have in this country and around the world it's, it's just incredible so so now we're going to start hearing from from albany here this is a we're now moving over to page 124 says, our, uh, Albany says, our very loving sister well be met. Sir, this I heard, the king is come to his daughter with others whom the rigor of our state forced to cry out. So Albany says, well, the king, obviously they know the king is found and they know the king is worth Cordelia. And he said, with others whom the rigor of our state forced to cry out, where I could not be honest, I never yet was valiant. For this business, it touches us as France invades our land. 
Not bolds the king with others whom I fear, most just and heavy causes make oppose. So, so he's, Albany is concerned that, well, they're going to have to fight France. And Edmund says, sir, you speak nobly. So Edmund is really, you know, you know, trying to pat Albany on the back. And then Regan uh, says, why is this reasoned? And then Gano says, combine together against the enemy for these domestic and per- per- particular broils are not the question here. And Albany says, let's then determine with the ancient of war in our proceeding. Edmund says, then I shall attend you presently at your tent. And then Regan says, to, uh, sister, you'll go with me. And, and, uh, Goneril says, no, I'm not going with you. And he says, to most convenient, pray go with us. And Goneril says, oh ho, I know the riddle, I will go. So, so anyway, uh, she, she changed her mind. But then what's really interesting is Edgar now enters the scene. And, uh, you know, they, uh, they're not sure where Edgar is. Remember, he's been, um, you know, in, in disguise. Edgar says, if ever your grace had speech with man so poor, hear me one word. And Albany says to those departing, I'll overtake you, uh, to Edgar speak. And then Edgar says, so, so in other words, Albany says, I'm going to listen to you. He says, before you fight the battle, open this letter. And remember now, Edgar, uh, be, be, uh, after he killed Oswald, he got his pack of letters. And so, so Edgar finds a letter that they want to assassinate Albany. <laughs> so he says, hey, before you move on, why don't you open this letter and look at it? He said, if you have victory, let the trumpet sound for him that brought it. Wretched though I seem, I can produce a champion that will prove what is avouched here. If you miscarry your business of the world hath so an end, and machination ceases, fortune love you. And so so he says, stay till I've read the letter. And Edgar says, I was forbidden. When time shall serve, let but the herald cry, and I'll appear again. So essentially, Edgar wants to, uh, uh, again, he's still in disguise. Um, but he says, look, I'll appear again. He says, why? Fare thee well, I'll overlook thy paper. So, so again, he, he starts to read it. Edgar and uh, exits. And in some ways, Edgar is really concerned still about his father, Gloucester. And he's really still trying to take care of him. So now enter, come, enter Edmund. So the enemies in view, drop your powers. Here is the guess of their true strength and forces by diligent discovery, but your haste is now urged on you. And so, so, the the uh, French are there, Cordelia's there. They're really ready to go after this. They really want to take England down because of what they've done to Lear. And uh, this is Cordelia is really working very hard at this. Uh, Edmund Albany says, "We'll greet the time." Edmund to the both these sisters have I sworn my love, and so so Edmund is confessing now to Albany. Each jealous of the other, as the, the strong are of the Adler, which of them shall I take, both, one, or neither? Neither can be enjoyed if both remain alive. To take the widow exasperates, makes mad her sister Goneril, and hardly shall I carry out my side, her husband being alive. 
Now then, we'll use his countenance for the battle which being done. Let her who would be rid of him devise his speedy taking off. As for the mercy which he intends to leer into Cordelia, the battle done, and they within our power shall never see his pardon, for my state stands on me to defend, not to debate. And so, so I think I, uh, I need to go back and tell you, page 125, is as soon as, as Edmund's done talking to him, uh, Albany says, we will greet the time, he exits. So when the, the last section I just read, Edmund was on stage by himself. And so Albany wasn't there to hear it. So that uh, that's the scene, a, end of uh, Act 5, Scene 1. So now let's get into Act 5, Scene 2. And there's there's alarm within, uh, enters with drum and colors, or Lear, he's held by the hand of Cordelia. There are soldiers of France over the stage, and, and uh, they exit Edgar, enter Edgar in Gloucester. So it's, essentially what you see now is, is in, in scene two, you have the French army on stage, and they're ready to get into the battle. And, uh, uh, but what, what is really sad here is that, that, uh, we're gonna, as we read through this, you're gonna find out that Cordelia and the French lose the battle. So that's not a good sign. So Edgar says, Here, Father, take the shadow of this tree for your good host. Pray that the right may thrive. If ever I return to you again, I'll bring you comfort. So Edgar puts his father, Gloucester, in a safe place by a tree where he can be held uh, safe. And then Edgar wants to go to the battle. And uh, uh, Edgar says, Away, old man, give me thy hand away. King Lear hath lost. He and his daughter taken. Give me thy hand. Come on. So, so Edgar exits. He comes back really quickly when he realizes they're lost. They lost the battle. And then Gloucester says, No further, sir. A man may rot even here. And he says, What in ill thoughts again men must endure their going hence, even as they're coming hither. Ripeness is all. Come on. And Gloucester says, And that's too, that's true too. And then Gloucester exits. And essentially what we're going to find out is that Gloucester dies off stage. He has a heart attack. He can't, he can't endure any more of the problems that are going on. So now let's, let's go to, um, uh, scene three. And, uh, um, you know, Albany has joined forces with Regans. Now, uh, when we get into, to scene three, um, it's, it's, a uh, it's a sad state of affairs. So uh, it says at the top of the, 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 the scene, enter in conquest with drum and colors, Edmund, Lear, and Cordelia as prisoners, soldiers, and captain. So essentially what's happened now is Edmund has taken Lear and Cordelia captive, and he's put them into prison. Some officers, this is Edmund talking, some officers take them away, good guard, until their greater pleasures first be known that are to censor them. And so Edmund is saying, we're going to have to do something with them. We haven't decided yet, but we're going to do something. Cordelia then says, we are not the first who with best meaning have incurred the worst. For thee, oppressed king, I am cast down. Myself could else outfrown false fortunes frown. Shall we not see these daughters and these sisters? 
And Lear says, no, no, no. Come, let's away to prison. So, so Cordelia wants to say, look, don't put us in prison. You know, let us face each other. Let's, let's all get together here. And, um, you know, that's what Cordelia wants. And Lear says, no, he doesn't want to see those, those daughters anymore. He says, come, let's away to prison. We two alone will sing like birds in the cage. When thou dost ask me blessing, I'll kneel down and ask of thee forgiveness. So we'll live and pray and sing and tell old tales and laugh at gilded butterflies and hear poor rogues talk of court news. And we'll talk with them too. Who loses and who wins, who's in, who's out, and take upon the mystery of things as if we were God's spies and were wear out in a walled prison, packs and sects of great ones that ebb and flow by the moon. And so, so you can see that, that Lear isn't really all together. <laughs> he, he's back, but he's really not back. And then Edmund just says, take them away. And then Lear says, upon sacrifices, my Cordelia, the gods themselves throw incense. Have I caught thee? He that parts us shall bring a brand from heaven and fire us hence like foxes. Wipe thine eyes. The good years shall devour them, flesh and fell, ere they shall make us weep. We'll see them start first. Come. And so then, then uh, Lear and Cordelia exit the stage in their garden so now they're being guarded so edmund is now by himself he says come hither captain hark take thou this note so essentially what what uh edmund has done he's written their execution it's a law now since he's in charge he's now established a law that they have to be executed and so he's got this this uh captain and essentially, uh, all of you out there that are listening in and you're reading along with this is he's forcing the captain to do what he wants. He says, go follow them to prison. One step I have advanced thee. If thou dost as this instructs thee, thou dost make thy way to noble fortunes. So essentially, he's bribing this captain to kill the king and to kill one of the princesses. He says, uh, know this. Know thou this, that men are as the time is. To be tender-minded does not become a sword. Thy great employment will not bear question. Either say thou do it, or thrive by other means. So he's saying, you're either going to do this, or you're gone. You're going to have to get another job. And the captain says, I'll do it, my lord. Edmund says, about it, and write happy when thou art done. Mark, I say instantly, and carry it so as I have set it down. And then Captain says, I cannot draw a cart nor eat dried oats. If I, if it be a man's work, I'll do it. And so he's, the captain is saying, well, I'm not going to draw a cart. I'm not going to eat dried oats. I'm going to keep my job. And so, yeah, I'll do it. So uh, I get on the scene, and, and if you were if you were watching on the stage, this would go really, this would go probably pretty quickly, and uh, I'm just helping, trying to help you to understand, you know, what's going on here. Um, uh, Albany uh, then looks at everybody, and says, "Sir, you have showed today your valiant strain, and fortune led you well. You have the captives who were the opposites of this day's strife." 
I do require, require them of you to use them, as we shall find their merits and our safety may equally determine. And then uh, Albany is not saying, let's execute them. He said, well, let's talk to them. And Edmund says, sir, I thought it fit to send the old and miserable king to some retention and appointed guard whose age had charms in it, whose title more to pluck the common bosom on his side and turn our impressed lances in our eyes, which do commanded them. With him I sent the queen, my reason all the same that they are ready tomorrow or at a further space appear where you shall hold your session. So he's saying, look, yeah, they're going to come talk to you, just not right now. At this time we sweat and bleed, the friend has lost his friend, and the best quarrels in the heat are cursed by those that feel their sharpness. The question of Cordelia and her father requires a fitter place. So he's saying, yeah, we need to get out of the battlefield. We need to go for a fitter place for this. And then Albany says, sir, by your patience, I hold you but a subject of this war, not as a brother. So, so uh, uh, actually, for all of you out there that, I mean, they're, Lear and uh, Cordelia are headed for their doom. And Reagan comes on the scene now. And uh, what we're going to find out as we go through this, that actually Goneril has poisoned her. So, so I mean, such loving sisters. He says, That as we list to grace him, methinks our pleasure might have been demanded ere you had spoke so far. He led our powers, bore the commission of my place and person, the which immediacy may well stand up and call itself your brother. Goneril, she's looking at it, not so hot. In his own grace he doth exalt himself more than in your ambition. Regan says, In my rights, by me invested, he compares the best. That were the most if he should husband you. And so so who do you think they're talking about? <laughs> they're talking about their lover. And uh, he's Albany, that were the most if he should husband you. Regan says, Jesters do oft prove prophets. Gonel says, Ola, Ola, the eye that told you so looked but a squint. Lady, and Reagan, she starts getting sick on, on stage. She says, Lady, I'm not well, else I should answer from a full-flowing stomach. So in other words, if I keep talking to you, I'm going to be expelling vomit everywhere. In general, take thou my soldiers, prisoners and patrimony, dispose of them of me, the walls is thine. Witness the world that I create thee here, my lord and master. And Gonel says, mean you to enjoy him? Albany says, uh, the let alone lies not in your goodwill, not, nor in mine, lord. So Edmund says that, nor in mine. So Albany says, half-blooded follow, yes. So uh, Regan to Edmund says, let the drum strike and prove my title thine. And Albany says, stay yet, hear reason. Edmund, I arrest thee on capital treason and in thy attaint this gilded serpent. So, so Albany just shocks everybody and he says, hey, Edmund, you're, you're, you're treason. This is treason what you're doing with the king and, 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 uh, with his daughter. And then he said, and he, he talks about the gilded serpent. He's talking to his, his wife. He's talking to Goneril. 
He says, for your claim, fair sister, I borrowed in the interest of my wife, to she is some contracted to this Lord, and I, her husband, contradict your bans. If you will marry, make your loves to me. My lady is bespoke. And Goneril says, an interlude. Albany says, thou art armed. Gloucester, let the trumpet sound. Now, when he says Gloucester, he means Edmund. Because he's now, remember, he's the Duke of Gloucester. Let the trumpet sound. If none appear to prove upon thy person, thy heinous manifest in many treasons, there is my pledge. So he throws down a glove. And, and essentially what Albany sets up here, he says, look, if anyone could come before you and me and they can can uh, beat you in a contest, then that'll prove that you're a traitor. He said, we'll prove it. You'll lose. And uh, so he throws down the glove. He says, I'll make it on thy heart. Ere I tasted bread, thou art in nothing less than I have proclaimed thee. And then Reagan keeps going on and says, oh, sick, oh, sick. And Goneril's side says, this is where she's just speaking to the audience. She's not speaking to her sister. She says, if not, I'll never trust medicine. <laughs> she says, if you're not sick, I'll never trust medicine. So she's poisoned her. And Edmund says, there's my exchange. He throws down a glove. What in the world he is that names me traitor, villain-like he lies. Called by the trumpet, he that dares approach on him, on you, who not, I will maintain my truth and honor firmly. Albany then says, a herald ho. Edmund says, a herald ho, a herald. Albany, trust to thy single virtue for thy soldiers, all levied in my name, have in my name took their challenge. And then Regner, he said, look, we're just going to call these guys out. We're going to see who's willing to stand up. Then Reagan keeps saying, my sickness grows upon me. And Albany says, she's not well. Convey her to my tent. So uh, they, they get Reagan off the stage. Now enters another herald. He says, come, hither herald, let the trumpet sound and read out this. So the captain sounds a trumpet. He said, a trumpet sounds. The herald reads. And this, this is the herald. He's like a legal uh, representative. He said, if any man of quality or degree within the list of the army will maintain upon Edmund, supposed Earl of Gloucester, he doesn't say he's the Earl of Gloucester, he said supposed Earl of Gloucester, that he is a manifold traitor, let him appear by the third sound of the trumpet. He is bold in his defense. And Edmund says, sound, first trumpet. Herald again. Second trumpet, again, third trumpet. Trumpet answers within, enter Edgar, armed at, at the third sound of a trumpeter before him. So here comes Edgar, and he says, all right, you said by the third trumpet, I'm here. And Albany says, ask him his purposes, why he appears upon this call of the trumpet. Harold says, what are you, your name, your quality, and why you answer the present summons? Edgar says, no, my name is lost. And so, so he's still concealing who he is. He says, no, my name is lost. He said, by treason's tooth bear non and canker bit, yet I am noble as the adversary I come to cope. Which is that adversary? And Edgar says, what's he that speaks for Edmund, Earl of Gloucester? Himself, what sayest thou to him? Edgar says, draw your sword. 
that if my speech offend a noble heart, thy arm may do thee justice. Here is mine. Behold, it is my privilege, the privilege of my honors, my oath and my profession. I protest, and that uh, that word there is magri. Uh, it just means despite. Despite thy strength, place, youth, and eminence. And he says, um, uh, despise thy victor and sword, and fire new fortune, thy valor and thy heart, thou art a traitor. False to thy gods, thy brother and thy father, conspired against his high, illustrious prince, and from the extremest upward of thy head to the descent and dust below thy foot, a most toad-spotted traitor. So Shakespeare likes that term, by the way, toad-spotted traitor. He uses that in a lot of his uh, his uh, plays uh, about the kings, and uh, uh, we'll get into some of that later in future future episodes. Say thou know, this sword, this arm, and my best spirits are bent to prove upon thy heart whereto I speak, thou liest. And so, so Edmund then says, in wisdom I should ask thy name. But since thy outside looks so fair and warlike, and that thy tongue some say of breeding breeze, what safe and nicely I might well delay by rule of knighthood I disdain and spurn. Back do I toss these treasons to thy head, with the hell hatred lie overwhelm thy heart, which for they yet glance by and scarcely bruise, this sword of mine shall give them instant way, where they shall rest forever. Trumpets speak. And so so alarms fight, and the alarms come on, they fight, and then Edmund falls. He's gone. And Albany says, save him, save him. Goneril says, this is practice, Gloucester. By the law of war, thou wast not bound to answer in an unknown opposite. Thou art not vanquished, by, but cousined and beguiled. And Albany says, shut your mouth, dame. <laughs> he's, he's taking his wife down. Shut your mouth. That's, that's kind of even surprising for Shakespeare to write that. You think that's more, more current. He says, uh, he says, thou worse than any name, read thine own evil. Not tearing, lady, I perceive you know it. And Goneril says, say if I do, the laws are mine, not thine. Who can arrange me for it? So, so Goneril says, hey, I'm the princess. You're just the husband. You're a duke. You know. Albany says, most monstrous, oh, knowest thou this paper? And Goneril says, ask me not what I know. Go after her. She's desperate. Govern her. So he's got the paper in his hand that she's going to kill him. And so he said, she's trying to assassinate me. Get her. You know, she's just, she's evil. And Edmund say, what have you charged me with that I have, what, that I have done? And much more, the time will bring it out, tis past, and so am I. But what art thou that thou hast this fortune on me? If thou art noble, I do forgive thee. And Edgar says, so this is Edmund, he's talking to Edgar. He says, let exchange charity. I am no less in blood than thou art, Edmund. If more, the more thou wrongest me. My name is Edgar, and thy father's son. The gods are just, and of our pleasant vices make instruments to plague us. The dark and vicious place where thee he got cost him his eyes. And Edgar says, I know what you've been a part of. I know what you've done. You blinded my father. 
or if you didn't, you know, uh, that someone did. He says, uh, thou spokest right, tis true, the wheel has come full circle, I am here. Now, that's, that's, a, that's a famous line in Shakespeare plays, the wheel has come full circle. And there's even some philosophy about that. You know, that's the way it is. Um, you know, if, if uh, when we're living our lives, there's some feel like there's this faded wheel that things will come full circle. He said, uh, and we're not going to get into that here. He said, but Albany says, Methought thy very gate did prophesy a royal nobleness. I must embrace thee, let sorrow split my heart, if ever I did hate you or your father. So, so Albany is, uh, is, is now confessing that he's, if he ever hated, uh, the Duke of Gloucester and the son, he's really sorry for that. Edgar then says, Worthy prince, I know it. Albany then goes on to say, Where have you hid yourself? How have you known the miseries of your father? And then Edgar says, By nursing them, my lord, list a brief tale. And, and he said, When it's told, Oh, that my heart would burst, the bloody proclamation to escape that followed me so near. Our, oh, our lives' sweetness that we, uh, the pain of death would hourly die rather than die at once, taught me to shift into a madman's rags and to assume a semblance that very dogs disdain. In this habit met I my father with his bleeding rings, meaning his eyes, their precious stones new lost, became his guide, led him, begged for him, and saved him from despair. Never, O fault, revealed myself unto him until some half-hour passed when I was armed, not sure, though hoping of this good success, I asked his blessing, and from first to last, told him our pilgrimage, but his flawed heart, alack, too weak, the conflict to support, to which two extremes of passion, joy, and grief burst smilingly. And so, so he's saying, look, my dad is dead. He had a heart attack. And it's really a, a, a lot of people that have, you know, uh, analyzed his play, think it's, it's one of the first characters that Shakespeare has that dies off stage. He doesn't die on stage. And so it's just an interesting, you know, way that Shakespeare would, would uh, write his plays. Emma goes on to say, The speech of yours hath moved me, and shall perchance do good, but speak you on. You look as you had something more to say. And Albany says, If there be more, more woeful, hold it in, for I am almost ready to dissolve hearing of this. So Albany's sad that Gloucester is dead. He's, he's sad uh, to hear that his eyes were taken out. Edgar says, This would have seemed a period to such as love and not sorrow, but another. To amplify too much would make much more and top extremity. While, whilst I was big in clamor, came there in a man who, having seen me in my worst estate, shunned my abhorred society, but then finding who was who t'was so endued with strong arms, he is fastened on my neck and bellowed out, and he burst heaven, threw him on my father, told the most piteous of tale of Lear and him that that ever ear received, which in recounting his grief, Puissant, and the strings of life began to crack. Twice then the trumpet sounded, and there I left him tranced. Albany says, but who was this? Kent, sir, the banished Kent, 
who in disguise followed his enemy king and did him service improper for a slave. And so, so you know, he's uh, Edgar is really um, absolutely praising Kent for what he did. The gentleman said, help, oh, help. Edgar says, what kind of help? He says, speak, man. Edgar says, what means this bloody knife? Tis hot, it smokes. It even came from the heart of, oh, she's dead. Albany said, who did? <laughs> That's pretty funny. Who did? <laughs> Speak, man. Your lady, sir, your lady and her sister, by her is poison, she confesses it. And so so essentially what's happened now, off stage, Goneril has knifed herself, she's killed herself, and she also poisoned her sister. And she confessed it. And Emma says, I was contracted to them both, all three now marry in an instant. And so so Edmund is saying, I'm dead now too. We're all dead. And then Edgar says, here comes Kent. And then Kent enters, and Albany says, produce the bodies, be they alive or dead. This judgment of the heavens that makes us tremble touches us not with pity. Oh, is this he? The time will not allow the compliment which very manners urges. And Kent comes in and says, I am come to bid my king and master I good night. Is he not here? And Albany says, Great thing of us forgot. Great thing of us forgot. Speak, Edmund, where's the king and where's Cordelia? Gunron Reagan's body's brought out. See thou this object, Kent. Alack, why thus? Yet Edmund was beloved, the one the other poisoned for my sake, and after slew herself. And Albany says, even so, cover their faces. Edmund says, I pant for life, some good I mean to do. Despite of my own nature, quickly send brief in it to the castle for my writ, is on the life of Lear and on Cordelia. Nay, send in time. So here Edmund actually has a dying repentance. And he says, this is horrible. Everything is horrible is what's going on here. I, you know, I uh, I wrote the, the note for them to be killed. Run, someone run right now and see if you can stop it. And he says, run, Albany says, run, oh, run. And Edgar says, to whom, my lord, who has the office? Send thy token of reprieve. Edmund says, well thought on, take my sword, give it the captain. Edgar says, haste for thy life. And Edmund, he has commissioned from thy wife and me to hang Cordelia in the prison and to lay the blame on her own despair that she forfeited, forded herself. Albany says, the gods defend her, bear him hence a while. So Edmund is born off, so he's gone, he's dead. <clears throat> and then enter, this is the final scene, and it's really tragic. Enter Lear with Cordelia in his arms. And there are, there are knights also father, following him. And Lear is, is howling, is howl, howl, oh, you are men of stones. Had I your tongues and eyes, I'd use them so, that heaven's vault should crack. She's gone forever. I know when one is dead and when one lives. She's dead as earth. Lend me a looking glass, if that her breath will mist or stain the stone. Why then she lives? And then Kent says, and this is probably the most important line of this this whole chapter five or or act five. 
Ken says, is this the promised end? And it is probably the most profound statement of the play, and it's referring to the end times. Is this the promised end? Is this the end? You know, is, is this the end of civilization? And, uh, you know, some of us that see what's happening in the world today, I mean, the we really do believe that Christ is going to have to return soon because it is the end. It's, it really is. And Edgar says, oh, image of that horror. Albany says, fall and cease. Lear, this feather stirs. She lives. If it be so, it's a chance which does redeem all sorrows that I have ever felt. And then Ken says, oh, my good master. And Lear says, prithee away. Edgar says, tis noble Kent, your friend. And so so Kent is still somewhat disguised. And now, now he's introduced, reintroduced to Lear. And Lear says, a plague upon you murderers, traitors all. I might have saved her. Now she's gone forever. Cordelia, Cordelia, stay a little. Ha, huh, what is thou sayest? Her voice was ever soft, gentle, low, an excellent thing in a woman. I killed the slave that was a hanging you. And so, so there was a guy that the captain was out hanging her and Lear killed him. He had a knife. He knifed him. Tis true, my lords, he did. Lear said, did I not, fellow? I have seen the day and my good biting falcion. That's that small sword. I would have made them skip. I am old now, and these same crosses spoil me. Who are you? Mine eyes are not the best. I'll tell you straight. Kent then says, I fortune brag of two she loved and hated. One of them we behold. Lear, this is a dull sight. Are you not Kent? And Kent responds, your servant Kent, where is your servant Caius? And Lear says, oh, he's a good fellow, I can tell you that. He'll strike and quickly too, he's dead and rotten. And Kent says, no, my good Lord, I am the very man. <laughs> so he's trying to say, I am Kent, and I'm not Caius. You know, and he says, uh, I'll see that straight. And Kent says, that from your first of difference and decay have followed your sad steps. You are welcome hither. And Ken says, no, nor no man else, all's cheerless, dark, and deadly. Your eldest daughters have fordone themselves and desperately are dead. And there said, I, so I think. Albany goes on, he says, he knows not what he says, and in vain is it that we present us to him. And then Edgar says, very bootless. So a messenger uh, comes in and he says, Edmund is dead, my lord. And Albany says, that's but a trifle here. You lords and noble friends know our intent. What comfort to this great decay may come shall be applied. For us, we will resign during the life of this old majesty to him our absolute power. And he looks to Edgar and Kent and you to your rights. What boot in such addition as your home, as your honors have more than merited? All friends shall taste the wages of their virtue, and all foes, the cup of their deservings. O-C-C. Now, here's another strange thing uh, about this play, and people still don't understand how this happens. But Lear says, and my poor fool is hanged. No, no life. And so, remember, the, the fool disappears, and they don't know where he is. And now here at the end, he says, oh, well, my fool, my fool is hanged. He says, why should a dog, a horse, a rat have life? 
and thou no breath at all. Thou'lt come no more. Never, 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 never. Pray you do this button. Thank you, sir. Do you see this? Look on her. Look. Her lips. Look here. Look here. And and so he wants them to open up the button at her neck so she can breathe. But she's not going to breathe. And then Lear dies. He has a heart attack and dies. And then Edgar says, He faints, my lord, my lord. And Ken says, Break heart, I prithee. And then Edgar says, Look up, my lord. He said, Vex not his ghost, oh, let him pass. He hates that would upon the rack of this tough world stretch him out longer. He is gone indeed. And then Ken says, The wonder is he hath endured so long. But he but usurped his life. Albany says, Bear them from hence. Our present business is general general woe. And so then Albany looks to Kent and Edgar. Friends of my soul, you too rule in this realm and the gorge state sustain. And so essentially what Albany does is he appoints Edgar as the new king. And uh, Kent, if you, uh, if you understand what, what happens next, he says, I have a journey, sir, shortly to go. My master calls me, and I must not say no. And so, so a lot of people have wondered about those two lines. And essentially, they've come to the conclusion that what Shakespeare wrote into the play is when he says, I have a journey, shortly to go. My master calls me, I must not say no. So that, it, that actually Kent commits suicide. And that's what that's how they reason those two two lines. And then notice Edgar says, The weight of this sad time we must obey. Speak what we feel, not what we ought to say. The oldest hath borne most. We are we that are young shall never see so much nor live so long. And then there's that's the very end of the play, and it ends with a musical dead march. And so we accomplished what I wanted. We've now finished King Lear, and uh, it is really, uh, it, in some ways, it's a very current play. It's it's a different setting than today. But if you look at at uh, you know what's really going on, I think Kent's line is this: the promised end. That's something to think about. Is this the promised end? And uh, for those of you that are really listening to the news. There are a lot of people out there are wondering if we're not in the end times. They are really thinking about it. So that's all the time I have for today's program. Next time, we will begin our play, King John, and that has everything to do with the Magna Carta and a few other interesting things. So please write me any comments you may have to uh, comments at kpcg.fm. You can also comment at my Twitter page, Shakespeare's Royal Education. And uh, you can also remember you can buy King John. That Make sure you buy the Pelican Shakespeare. And you can get that either at Amazon or I like to go to ABE Books because it's so much less expensive there. So thanks for joining me next time as we advance our royal education. You've been listening to Shakespeare's Royal Education on Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG, streaming online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.